0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Today I will be actually following up from where Jackie left off last week. And last week, Jackie very helpfully expounded the events that happened um, around the birth of Jesus. So in Matthew 1, we were presented with this supernatural events that occur. When contrary to the law of nature, a young virgin Mary fell pregnant. And as Jackie said, we know that for a child to be conceived, we need a man and a woman to come together. She was very specific, 23 chromosomes from a woman, 23 chromosomes from a man, for a child to be born. But that's not what happened in that case. Instead, a miraculous work of God Occurred and Mary became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And to us, a child was born, and he wasn't just any child, he was Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, our God with us. And as we now move on to Matthew chapter 2, you can almost feel like there's a change in the atmosphere, there's a stirring. Now that Jesus is on the scene, things have changed. Lives are not going to be the same again. His arrival provokes different responses to those that he encounters, to those that, he, um, that hear about him. So as we walk through the passage today, we actually find that there are three different responses to Jesus. And what I want us to do as we go through the scriptures is to examine our hearts this morning and to see where are we in relation to the responses that we come across in the chapter. So now this account of Matthew actually happens, you know, sometime after Jesus was born. We don't know if it was a few weeks or a few years. And it could be anything up to two years that this account was. And in verse one, the first people that we're introduced to are the wise men. And as um, Daniel said earlier, we don't actually know very much about the wise men. Um, commentary and tradition thinks they were probably from Persia or Babylon, which is like today's Iran and Iraq and um, the word Magi actually refers to people who were priests or astrologers again as Daniel said so people who would read the stars and interpret the signs so these were pagan astrologers who God and his sovereignty used what they knew to point them to Jesus now obviously just a side note for us to know God the truth about him and to have an intimate relationship with him. The Bible is the place to go looking for answers. But God, the creator of the world, can use whatever means he chooses to point people to Jesus. And in this case, he used what the wise men knew. He knew, He used the stars, because they were people who studied the stars. Now these wise men were not Jews. They didn't know the scriptures. Um, as far as we know, they were not waiting on the promised Messiah. But when they heard about the birth of Jesus, the birth of the king of Jews, they received it with so much joy. They knew that this news of this king was too important for them to do nothing about. So they made their journey from their hometown, wherever it was, to Jerusalem to find Jesus, to find this king who was born king of the Jews. And then when they found him, they rightfully worship him and present him with gifts that are fit for a king. So what is your response today? Is it one of joy and worship? So we know, as we read on in the passage, that before the wise men actually get to Bethlehem, they first of all go to Herod's palace in Jerusalem to seek Jesus out. And when they meet Herod, they ask, they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, for we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him." Now, just a little background about Herod. We know from history that he was not a Jew. He was actually of Edomites descent. So if we go back in history, there was Abraham, and Abraham had had Isaac, and Isaac had two sons. One was Jacob, and one was Esau. And the people of Israel were from the line of Jacob, whereas the Edomites were from um, the line of Esau. So um, Herod was actually of Edomite descent, he was not a Jew. And the other thing was, Herod hadn't actually been placed as king by the people, he wasn't sort of like elected to be king by the people of, um, of Israel. He'd been placed there by the Roman emperor. And we know from history as well that Herod was responsible for many great things that happened in the city. He expanded the second second temple, he brought lots of infrastructure to Jerusalem. But one thing we also know is that he wasn't actually a very nice man, to put it mildly, He was, as history said, he was a tyrant, he was brutal, he was ruthless in his dealings um, with people especially those who he felt were a threat to his throne. So he was not afraid to kill anyone who he he thought was a threat. And in fact, Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor of Rome at the time. So this was a man who had far greater authority um, than Herod. Reportedly said, it is safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. Because at this time, Herod had killed one of his wives And he'd killed three of his children, of his sons, because he suspected that they were plotting to take his throne. So we can imagine that when these wise men come to Jerusalem with this amazing news about Jesus, it wasn't good news to Herod. He felt threatened. It's like, who is this king that's coming to take his throne? Who is this king that was going to um, take over his power in Jerusalem? So his response to the threat of Jesus was to react with violence, like he wanted to get rid of Jesus. He did not want this king to come and take the position that he had. So my question to you is, do you see Jesus as a threat? Is he a threat to your comfort and to your position? Is he a threat to your sense of identity? And now the last people, um, group of people that we see in the passage are the chiefs, um, scribes, the chief priests and scribes. Sorry. So Herod, not knowing the scriptures or not knowing where Jesus was to be born, he called the chief um, scribes to ascertain from them where Jesus was to be born. And they came and they know the scriptures like the back of their hands and they quoted Micah 5 verse 2. They didn't have to bring out the scrolls, they knew the word of God by heart. And these people would have grown up hearing the stories about a ruler who would come and shepherd the people people of Israel. They would have had that excitement, that longing for a messiah who would come and save them from the oppression that they were under. But funny enough, when the wise men came with the news of Jesus, they appeared to be indifferent to the news. I mean, it doesn't say much in the scripture about them, but you would think that these wise men who were Gentiles, who knew nothing about the scriptures, they received this news with excitement and they traveled a long way from wherever they were to Jerusalem to find out about Jesus, to, to seek knowledge about him. But the scribes who were only about six miles from Jerusalem, sorry, from Bethlehem, didn't actually make the short journey with the wise men to find out if this child was truly the promised one, the one that they had been waiting for. They were indifferent to the news about Jesus. So what is your response to Jesus? Right. So as we're sitting here, we might think that the response of being indifferent or being hostile towards, um, towards Jesus is probably mainly from people who are not followers of Jesus. But the truth is, even as Christians, even as people who believe in him, we can be indifferent to him. Like the chief um, um, priests and scribes, we might know the scripture like the back of our hands. We might have grown up with it, but we might still lack passion for Jesus. And while we might not be hostile to Jesus in the way that Herod was, we might actually perceive him as a threat. And we can be resistant to him, to the transforming work that he wants to do in and through us. So it would be easy for me to stand here and say, the appropriate response to Jesus is to worship Him. You know, to surrender your life to Him, to give Him all that you have. And that's the truth, that is what we should do. But we know that often our resistance to Him and to the work that He wants to do in our lives comes from a place of fear, comes from a place of fear of the unknown. We would rather stay in our comfort zone than risk pain or failure or rejection or disappointment. And sometimes the hardships and the troubles of life can cause us to lose our passion for him and cause us to become indifferent to him. So if you find that we are indifferent to Jesus or that we are resistant to him, how do we get to a place of joyfully laying down our lives at his feet? And not just a part of it, not just the part that we want to share, but every part of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How do we get to that place? And for me, I believe it's by remembering and asking. So when we are resistant to Jesus, and when we are afraid to step out of our comfort zone to lose our lives for his sake, when we are afraid of pain and rejection, we'll remember that Jesus left the comfort of heaven, that he came to us frail, as Daniel pointed out earlier, frail needing help from human parents. And he was rejected. He faced unimaginable pain and suffering for our sake. And when we start to feel like we are becoming indifferent to him, we remember that his love and his passion for us led him to die for us on the cross so that we could have life and life in abundance. And most importantly, so that we will not be separated from God for all eternity. And I believe that as we remember and as we meditate on what Jesus has done for us. We ask, so we remember and we ask. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us to surrender our lives to him, to soften our hearts towards him. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us to see his beauty and his splendor, to see that he is worthy of our worship. And the truth is, when we surrender to Jesus, we are actually the ones who benefit from it. It's far our own good. We receive far more from Jesus than we could ever hope to give him. We receive peace and joy and healing. We receive a renewed sense of identity and purpose. So as we celebrate the coming of Jesus this Christmas, what will your response be to him? I'm praying that your response to him will be a heart full of worship and thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. Amen.